Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, uh, we take three stories of the week and dissect them for your pleasure. For your... My name is Chris Bount, I'm the web editor, and joining me around the editorial desk this week are uh, the publishing director, Andrew Sankstar, and our perspective editor, Catherine Doggerell. We've got three topics for you this week. We've got a new uh, institutional investor into European hotels. We're going to talk about over-tourism and what Millennium Copthorne are up to with their latest rebranding of their London hotel. So Catherine, has Archer Capital's creation got you all of a quiver? Uh, very good. Um, yes, Archer ready to strike at Europe, you'll enjoy. But um, so yes, this is the artists formerly known as APG and GIC who had been with Host. And you'll remember that Host decided that they were going to exit Europe in favour of the US. And this is the result. Um, APG and GIC um, had to approve whoever bought out the 33% Host stake. So they approved it by buying it themselves, which is always a way to do it. Uh, who would look a, a gift portfolio in the mouth, which is what they've done or haven't done here. And 11 glorious hotels in cities across Western Europe um, worth 2.1 billion euros host estimated so uh, what's not to enjoy um, Limeridian Piccadilly all sorts of exciting things in Paris and Amsterdam and Berlin and all the rest of it and now they're going to spiff them up and they're considering buying new things so if you've got an exciting hotel then uh, then do go this way of course uh, GIC have been strengthening their position in Europe um, most recently buying a chunk of uh, Accor Invest so we'll be intrigued to see whether they keep the US focus of their brands on their hotels or whether they look to something a little more accor in the future. Um, you may also know APG from investing in Citizen M and Citizen M as we know are also looking for a new investor to come in and continue their global domination. Will that be GIC? Watch this space. I th I th one of the interesting bits of this is just how much this industry has changed over the last couple of decades. Um, 20 years ago um, the bias was very much in favour of the hotel brand companies and the industry was very unusual in um, the way in which the owners of the capital were disadvantaged with regard to the managers of the capital. What's happened in those two decades since? Um, we've seen first the lawyers come in um, start to rebalance the contracts, make it a lot more, uh, the pendulum swinging much more towards the owners in terms of the nature of those contracts. But now we're actually seeing uh, a power balance coming in, in terms of the relative size. So 20 years ago, there were hardly any owners had the scale to actually directly stand up to the hotel brand companies. I mean, 20 years ago, even if it was a giant company, their hotel bit would probably have been tiny um, and they just didn't have the level of interest or exposure that would warrant and make them able to, to take on the hotel brand companies. But if you look now with GIC, so you've got, if you add together the 2 billion euros plus um, they've got here, and then, then you look at just just take the Accor Invest, which is eight billion euros or so. So you've got a ten billion euro entity here, and that that clearly is capable of is bigger than you know, all but the very biggest of the hotel brand companies. So I think I think this is a real marking the coming of age in terms of hotel ownership, uh, both in terms of it as an institutional asset class and also in terms of scale. And Catherine, have you got any idea of the kind of uh, hotels they'll be buying to add to their collection? Um, as far as I can tell from the whispers in the market, it will be more of the same. 
So um, lots of luxury, upscale fun, not wheat bread. <laughs> okay, great. Before people start picking up the phone in Singapore. <laughs> great, thank you very much. Right, just a reminder to you, the listener, that uh, the three stories we discuss each week are three of six that are written up in much more detail in our weekly perspectives, which you as a subscriber have access to via the Hotel Analyst website. Um, now, our second uh, topic of this week is over tourism. In the, uh, we regularly report on the UNWTO tourism figures, which always go inexorably up period after period. Uh, we also in the last year have reported on the Philippine islands of Boracay, which got closed for a while, uh, while the uh, local authorities sorted out what was going on there, because frankly, far too many tourists were arriving. So they literally shut the island for a few months while they sorted it out. But Catherine, you've been taking a look a bit closer to home. Uh, yes, Edinburgh. Edinburgh City Council continues to, um, to want a tourist tax, or a bed tax, More would probably be a more accurate way of looking at it. And Venice wants to bring in a, a visitor, daily visitor tax to replace its bed tax. In fact, they are going to be bringing one in, and they just need to know exactly how they're going to implement it. And, um, and yes, as we report, more and more of these cities are becoming more and more overwhelmed by the number of people who are in them, and more and more have no way of dealing with it, and um, need to look at a more nuanced solution than just taxation. But they are putting themselves increasingly in the position where they just don't want people to come and they just are now stopping people from coming. This is their, their route to doing it. And of course, this is damaging to the whole economy and to the whole area and to, you know, people want to come and it's very aggressive. And if you visit places like Palmer, as I did over the summer, you find stickers everywhere saying tourists go away and it's not really what you're looking for. So there must be a better way, a better way, a more, a more national approach we're hearing at the moment. But as to what that is, uh, yeah, who knows? Answers on a postcard. But not from Venice. <laughs> and will Venice be planning a hard border or a soft border? I want to talk about hard and soft borders. <laughs> okay, right. I think it's, it's all about the Verona finished. backstop. <laughs> something's clearly fall, falling short in how in the, in the hospitality industry's lobbying efforts here, I think. Uh, politicians can so casually discuss introducing taxes, which ultimately are going to destroy hundreds, possibly thousands of jobs. Um, and, and it's very infuriating to see much less significant industries um, able to hold the era government while hospitality is ignored. Now, one of the reasons for this is that um, the hospitality its industry itself rarely speaks with one voice. Uh, we need to start seeing a bit more discipline as an industry and start talking uh, and, and making our case together. And when it comes to these specific issues of over-tourism, um, I, I think it's just crazy to lump um, all tourists together as one and the same. Now, I live in Cambridge, and the you know, most irritating in terms of tourists are the coach tourists. They turn up, they follow somebody with a flag, they'll maybe buy one ice cream each, and then they'll jump back on their bus and clear off. They'll clog the streets and make life pretty difficult and unpleasant for me as a resident here in Cambridge. But the people that turn up and stay in the, the nice hotels, they're helping to keep the good restaurants going, keep the entertainment facilities going. I, I, I'm quite happy to see more of them. Plus those tourists are spending lots of cash, um, some of which is 
going into the coffers of the council and helping to keep my council tax in check. So I, I think we need to have a much more nuanced debate and start saying, look, let's tax the tourists we don't want and encourage the tourists we do want. Now, some councils are moving towards it. Some local authorities are, are, are moving towards it. I think Amsterdam's a good example of some, you know, being able to promote the sort of business travellers and and clamping down um, to an extent on on the backpackers. Um, you do this, you can tax the cruise ships, you can tax the coaches, and and so forth, and, and actually um, loosen up the planning restrictions in terms of the upscale hotels and 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 the, and then the nice restaurants. So I, I think we need to see much more joined up. We need much more of a public-private partnership in terms of planning how the tourism industry is going to evolve and develop. Um, it's it's just so sad when we see you know, politicians just seem to wait until it gets to the point where people are spraying the walls with graffiti as they do in Barcelona, tourists go home. Um, I, we need to step in and as an industry we need to be stepping in and talking uh, before we get to that point in other cities. Yes, and I, mean, I think what we've been seeing in Edinburgh and um, in Bath, where I live, certainly, is that there's been concern, because Bath has been meeting a bed tax, as to where this money's going in this terrible time of austerity. Uh, councils are seeing this as another way to make cash and put it into other things, not necessarily into improving the tourism versus locals lot. Um, and I think that's another issue, certainly, they're looking at in Edinburgh at the moment. What's going to happen to this money? Is it just going to be part of the public pot, or is it going to be used to relieve this problem? Yeah, it's this, this is short-termism by the politicians. They're just looking to get some sort of income in um, as quickly as possible. And unfortunately, tourists, you know, are, are a group which they can afford to offend because they're not voting. However, they are damaging hugely one of the biggest employing industries in their city. So I, I think you know that needs to, to those arguments need to be got home. And I think actually that the UK. Uh, UK Hospitality with CEO Kate Nichols is, is making a big push here, trying to make this linkage, telling local MPs that um, that these policies are damaging jobs and, and connecting um, local businesses and, and, and employees with these MPs to, to make the case for hospitality. I think hopefully over the next few years we're going to see some of that effort bearing fruit. Our third topic is uh, talking more about London and if you can afford to go to London you'll come across a new hotel shortly because we're going to be given a hotel in London called the Biltmore. Catherine it's not quite a new hotel so much as a refreshed hotel. Uh, yes, you may recognise this hotel as the former Millennium London uh, Hotel London Mayfair, <clears throat> which will be the Bilton May Biltmore Mayfair, and to add to the confusion or the delight, depending on which way you look at it, um, we'll be joining Hilton's LXR Hotels and Resorts collection, um, which is you know interesting in, in and of itself. But um, yes, yes, another Millennium and Copthorne hotel to leave. Uh, ostensibly the Millennium and Copthorpe brands stable. We've seen it before in New York and it worked out well for them and now we're seeing it in London. Where will it end? Interesting for me this this whole piece is um, part of the bricks and brains separation and makes one of the strongest cases for um, that separation, separating the real estate component of the businesses from the brand um, piece um, and if you look at something like Millennium Copthorpe 
arguably a great hotel property company, they have a significantly less well-regarded um, hotel management company. Um, and the argument of the of bricks and brains is that you 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 separate out the focus. So you you have people you have an organisation which is focused on driving the um, value creation within property, and you have an organisation which is focused on driving value creation in 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 the brand piece. And often the, these um, two businesses these two um, entities are are in conflict so you know to drive forward brand sometimes you have to make compromises on on property and certainly um, this is what happened when the big hotel brand companies used to be big owners of assets and they've now just swung entirely to focus on that brand piece um, it's interesting where MNC is going to evolve this and um, why they won't take the options or at least they don't seem willing to take the option of putting its whole estate across to one of the big brand companies now that there is an argument why if you say a private equity owner you're in for a five to seven year hold you wouldn't stick a, a major brand on it because that that unencumbered asset um, having a hotel without a big brand on is often easier to sell than having it with a with a hotel brand on that's debatable but certainly that's that's a, a you know a justifiable belief i think um but for mnc who seems to be a longer term holder of hotel property uh, it seems strange that they're unwilling to take on a, an established brand across their portfolio um, and they could negotiate a great deal i'm sure if they were to rebrand their entire are there still do you think rather than just the odd a little uh, as some say residual ab um, ambitions of for example the chairman at play there do we think <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course you've got. I mean, but you, you've also got this this piece about what you know. What the, it, it basically the heat, there's a resentment in terms of handing over ca cash um, to a brand company when he believes that you know his his business ought to be keeping that to itself. Mm. Um, but the fact is, whether can the pie be made that much bigger that you can pay the brand company and and pay yourself, and you'll actually be better off going for this bigger pie approach in terms of using the brand um, it, it's you know it's a question how effective is branding um, how effective are the, the big hotel brands I think in many cases and this clearly is taken this on board with regard to this New York the New York property and the and the London property actually we're going to be better off if we if we um, rebrand with Hilton um, I think you know it'd be very interesting to see how they must have done the case study on the numbers in terms of the rest of the portfolio, the provincial Copthorns and and the other millenniums dotted around the globe. Um, you know, if we stick a different brand on that, what could we actually do? Um, I'm sure the top line would look much, uh, much better. But it's actually that extra cost piece which is the the issue. And Hilton have been quite good, haven't they, picking up? Um, various city hotels over the last few years um, from uh, from other brands or from other owners. So they did, they've done some deals with Amaris. Uh, they took over some Jury's Inns in London, um, rebranding them. So they must yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, I, th I, th I think the, um, the particularly the EMEA um, development team at Hilton are one of the most aggressive and. Um, most capable outfits going and they've, they've done very well in terms of the new flags i think i'm right in saying that they are about the fastest growing of the major hotel brand companies um, 
don't write to me if that's not the case. <laughs> but I have seen numbers where that, where, which demonstrate that. I guess it does depend on how you structure the question. But certainly, uh, Hilt are in the forefront of, of in terms of growth, um, and, and all the major hotel brand companies are, are very much is about um, net unit growth um, these days because of the bricks and brain separation. So do we think there'll be Copthorns for, for a fair few years to come or uh, could this be, preface a few more rebranding? I think it'll be interesting to see who replaces Jennifer Fox as CEO um, because obviously she was big with the brands but if they bring in someone who's big with the real estate instead then we'll know which direction they're going in. Um, so if anyone hasn't been CEO at Millennium Copthorn who'd like to step forward, now's the time. <laughs> yes, sir. Some I don't know they're they're like they're like the fall of the hotel industry sooner or later it's your turn to be CEO I think. And as we uh, we leave the desk to go and count the number of ex CEOs, uh, maybe wish you a good week um, and uh, say thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>